Chapter 22 Midwinter Festival Edo, January 2356 The midwinter celebration in Kiharu is large because of the temple and brings in people from several villages and from the floating cities nearby. There are food stalls and bar stalls and art stalls and rows and rows of beautiful ice sculptures, most depicting the tenets of the way, but some are a bit more whimsical. There are stages and performances by bands and orchestras and singers and dancers. It is a wonderful three-day event. I hadn't wanted to go initially, as I was still stewing over the trial results and not feeling like celebrating anything. But Takayu convinced me that Gray would like it, so I grumpily agreed. And now I'm delighted we are here. It buoys my spirit as I watch my nine-month-old's eyes, eyes that are a lot like mine, light up as she gazes at all the people and I hear her chuckle when a dancer twirls in a winter kimono, spinning with colorful rainbow ribbons. She is snug and warm in my arms, and I find that fact so comforting. As I gently tuck an errant dark curl of her soft baby hair back under the knitted green hat Mama had made for her, I realize I would do anything for this child. And one of those things is to be patient in my pursuit of Rob Abernathy and take the joys that she has to give me while she is small and in need of her Mama. Yumiko has been ever-present tonight, not leaving my side, as she recommends that we stroll down this lane and that. It's nice to see her putting forth a bit of effort, though I wonder how sincere it is. She has always been distant and disapproving, and while she has said the right things during the trial and after sentencing, I got the feeling that she was more embarrassed than outraged. We are moving down the row, showing Gray the sculptures that are illuminated with artificial lights. Shigeo and Takai are walking some distance behind us, and I'm delighted by this because while I love the man, Takai has been excessively vigilant around me. I barely can shower without him checking in every few minutes. I know he means well, but it has been suffocating. Now he and his father have stopped, likely discussing some point of diplomacy while Yumiko hurries Gray and I ahead with her, increasing our distance from the men. She reaches over and scoops Gray from me, moving toward a smallish sculpture. I want to show her this one up close she calls in Edenese as she practically jogs with the baby. She gestures to a sculpture of a small cat playing with a ball of twine. I wanted to grab Gray and hold on to her as she took her, but figured that might send the wrong family message. They may not care for me, but Shigeo and Yumiko adore their granddaughter. I walk to catch up with them and I smile as I hear Yumiko murmur descriptions in Edenese into my daughter's ear. It's good to learn multiple languages early on. We take a few more steps and have come to the last of the sculptures. I think we have to turn around, I say, peering into the dim, seeing no more sculptures. Yumiko looks at me for a moment longer than typical. There's a shortcut here. We will end up by the food stalls. She is snuggling gray close to her. I shrug. She knows the festival layout far better than I. Oddly, it's a dead end. Blocked by the backsides of two market stalls and an enormous hill of snow, that has been pushed aside for the festival. A curious tableau is presented as I look. There in front of us are three non-Edoan men. Two younger men hold the upper arms of two young Edoan women who are struggling to pull free, while the third man, who is older and bearded, glowers at them, not yet seeing Yumiko, Gray, and me. The nearest woman sees me and gasps and starts to yell, but a backhanded slap quiets her into silence. I narrow my eyes and turn to shove my not-quite-mother-in-law back toward the crowd but find she is already moving away with my daughter in her arms. She looks back at me, 
and with an odd smile on her face as she pulls my daughter close and calls, here, in F.A., which startles me. She then turns and disappears. That was weird, but I have more immediate issues to deal with as bearded man has turned toward me, grinning, his teeth brown with a few missing. And there's our bonus, he speaks in the standard F.A. tongue. I feel a smile start at the corners of my mouth. They're fucking traitors. I pat my right leg. It's there. About a week after my Truvale encounter with Rob Abernathy, a box arrived for me in Edo from Bosch, with a bone-handled knife and a thigh sheath. The note read, Now you have a proper fucking knife, Papa. I'm pretty sure you won't think so in a moment. My full focus is on these three now. The sounds and smells of the festival fade as I feel my body and mind move into a battle mode I haven't felt for so long. I feel the adrenaline begin to surge and the blood rush to my muscles. My senses are focused and I feel invincible. I have little time to consider tactics, however, as Beard lunges to grab for me. I will have to rely on instinct. I let him reach out, then grasp his closest arm with both my hands and pull him forward, overbalancing him as I step aside. He hits the frozen ground hard and my foot comes down even harder on his windpipe with a delightful crunch. One of the younger men, this one clean-shaven, shoves his captive to the third, who sports a small goatee, and comes at me. These big guys are always so sure they have the upper hand. My Bosch brother, Peter, taught me how to use their momentum against them, so I squat down and throw a hook to his liver as he rushes me. As he doubles over, I reach through the hole in my right pocket and pull the bone-handled knife from its sheath. I slide to the ground and slash the back of his left ankle, cleanly severing the Achilles. My work with the physicians has benefited me in ways they could not imagine. He collapses like a house of cards, howling in agony. I hop to my feet and look at the third man and hold up my blade. Next? Look, I don't want any trouble. He releases the women, who begin to rush away toward the festival, but I notice they stop at a safe distance and turn to watch. And yet, here I am. I give him my most predatory smile. You should have chosen another line of work. He pulls out a short pistol and trains it on me. I spin a kick to the outside of the arm that holds the weapon and hear the bone crack. The pistol drops and bounces as the man screams in pain. A quick hook to his head and he too is down on the ground. The knuckles on my left hand feel a bit bruised, annoying. I kick the closest man for the irritation of the injury and wipe and resheath my knife. I shake my head as the adrenaline pulses in my temples. The sounds of the festival start to return and I hear voices raised. I look toward the way we had come in. Takai and his parents are arguing, with Shigeo and Yumiko trying to restrain Takai from coming to my aid, of course. He is their little prince. Yumiko is still holding Gray close to her, facing Takai. She looks over her shoulder at the men moaning on the ground, her face horrified and angry. Shigeo stands with his hands on Takai's chest, pressing him back. When he looks my way, his expression is equally repulsed. This little sortie is not going to help build any bridges in our already strained relationship. I shrug. Takai and I look at each other, and he stops struggling against his parents. He had looked a bit panicked, but now I wink at him and shrug, and he slowly shakes his head, his eyes dancing with mine. Then a commotion erupts behind them as the two girls rush back, dragging an older man by his arms. All three are trailed by several decent-sized Adoan men, who hold themselves like, could they be bodyguards? The girls and the man speak with each other quickly in Adoan, and while I can understand some of it, my brain is still abuzz with the battle. So I only make out that this is their father, 
and they had slipped away for some fun of their own before being cornered by the traitors. The older man carries himself with a relaxed confidence. He nods at his daughters and tells them to wait, and then comes forward toward me. For some reason, Shigeo looked even more offended by his presence than by my actions. Takai takes Gray from a distinctly uncomfortable Yumiko, who argues just a bit with Takai as he lifts her into his arms. Gray is currently throwing a dimpling smile at one of the big men, standing almost at attention. She has pulled his focus, and I see him crinkle his face into a smile and give a wave with his fingers. Adorable. The older man stands next to me for several quiet moments looking at the vanquished, and then he gestures at the three on the ground and says in clear F.A., Your handiwork? I smile. Not my best, but there was little time to plan. I hear him give a short, sharp laugh as he turns toward me. He reaches out, offering his hand and arm as a greeting, a very personal move in Ido to offer physical contact. His sleeve slips up as he does so, exposing the head of a dragon tattoo on his forearm. Interesting. Yakuza. I know that they still exist, almost unchanged from the old Earth days and the ancient ones, but had not knowingly met anyone involved. I smile as I pull first one sleeve and then the other up and expose my brand and my Bosch tattoos as I accept the offer and grasp his arm and elbow with my hand. We hold the contact in a warrior's greeting. The colors are magnificent. I incline my head toward his arm. I may have to consider a dragon next. He leans his head back and laughs out loud. I join him, and then we both look at the men on the ground. I am Kenichi Tsukasa. It was my daughters you protected. You have my gratitude. Even as an outsider, I know that name. This man is powerful and connected. I am Cat Wallace. Traitors are scum. I will never again. Here I touch my brand and see Tsukasa-san nod. Allow them to operate in my presence. Then I look directly at the kingpin. All of the souls trafficked are someone's son or daughter. I would encourage anyone who may have dealings with the practice to divest themselves as quickly as possible. Tsukasa-san's expression is unreadable. Do you wish to keep these? He gestures again at the three men on the ground. I smile. No, let them be a gift to you. He speaks a few words to his men, and they come forward and lift the three battered traitors up and move quickly away with them. How unfortunate for them. Things would have been quicker with me, but my daughter was never at risk. Tsukasa gives me a slight bow. I must see my daughter's home. He presents me with a card, holding it out in the traditional way with two hands. Please, come take tea with us. You will be an honored guest. The honor will be mine. I accept the card with both of my hands and give a small nod. Then Kenichi Tsukasa sweeps toward his daughters, pausing to acknowledge Shigeo and Yumiko. Shima-san. Shima-san? He inclines his head slightly toward each. Fortune has smiled on your family with your daughter-in-law. I could just about see the bile rise in Shigeo's throat, just when I figure he couldn't find any more fault with me. Yumiko looks furious with the statement and the events. Her behavior was very odd. I'll have to consider that. For now, I move forward to Takai and gather a delighted Gray into my arms and stand close to my not-husband as Tsukasa-san gazes at my sweet little girl and says, Lovely. As he moves his own daughters toward the exit of the festival, his cadre of bodyguards sweeping after him. <laughs>